The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you longing for a place where hope, ideas, and new ways of thinking can arise? For nearly 50 years, Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, has been a gathering place where world-class teachers provide innovative educational experiences that cultivate extraordinary potential in us all. Join us either on campus or online. To learn more, visit eomega.org. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Good to see you back for the second part of my conversation with Michael Schauf about a story of karma and the experiences he had with karma and Bempa back in Canada. And then this little girl, Karma, she, she turns to me um, and she leaps into my, into my arms. Um, it's like force nearly knocked me right back onto the ground. And not because of her physical force, but just the love that just hit me right in the, right in the heart. And, and I'll never forget, like her little hands, you know, just grabbing the back of my neck. And, um, and I felt her heartbeat, right? And I just thought, I thought this is the reason, you know, why I'm here. Welcome to the Mentor TV podcast and stay curious with Patricia Falco-Becali. What I thought was really interesting that all of the group had the same sort of feeling. It was really like a, a you know, like you have in a group meditation, all of a sudden there's like a, um, a resonance around everybody that is gathered there and you start experiencing this, this, this huge, huge amount of, of emotions and they're very shared emotions. So nobody would go like, oh, okay, I'm not feeling anything. And that was <laughs> right. <what> yeah. trying. <laughs> you know? yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. It was just so overwhelming that you couldn't help but, but hide yeah. what you were feeling. Yeah, no. But the reason why I make such a point of all of this um, before we're getting to uh, the, village, the village of Nar is simply because to show that mm. A, how deep something like climbing mountain can really be, become, Mm -hmm. and also how it can shift the mindset and the openness to whatever happens in that environment. Because now we are going into the story of karma. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell us about once you went into that village of Nar, how you came about karma and what karma is, because there is more than one meaning to that word in your book. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the overarching theme of karma in the book is, um, well, you know, people have talked about it as this concept of cause and effect, right? What we do will have ripple effects and, you know, we'll, we'll have, it's causation, right? Um, so, you know, it'll affect the world around us, the world around us affects us. And so, um, so that's kind of the overarching theme. And I remember when we were in this, mo the most remote outpost village of, uh, of Fu, and I, I spoke with this one gentleman, um, Sanam Dorje. And, and, you know, I was asking him, what is this meaning of uh, this, this mantra, Om Mani Padme Hum? Because it's everywhere. It's on the prayer wheels, it's on the prayer stones. And, and he kind of associated to karma. That's where, you know, it really opened up for me. He said, um, he said, this mantra is a blessing um, because all life has suffering. To live is to suffer. And, and so we bless all of it. We bless sickness and health, uh, life, death, everything in between because that suffering 
is our karma and our karma is our life. Meaning and that suffering is actually our life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the way it gives us the, the opportunity to expand through it, to have these experiences. Um, so I thought that was very profound. And so if you fast forward, um, there we were in NAR, we'd come across this little stone school and, um, and at the head of the school, at the head of the little class, the kids had pulled their benches out in the courtyard because there's no electricity there. And um, if you imagine this place is at 14,000 feet in elevation. Um, so just very harsh light living, just it's survival out there. And in the mountains, you got these 7,000 meter peaks all around you. Uh, and there are these little kids were um, pulling their benches out. And um, so they could be in the light and the warmth of the sun. And there's this little girl, seven-year-old girl um, at the head of the class teaching these kids um, the English numbers. And, I, you know, I thought, okay, well, this is interesting. Why is there a little girl? And, and English script is different than Nepali script, right? So why is there a little girl teaching English numbers <laughs> to, these, uh, to these kids? And, um, and it's just something struck me about her. Uh, I mean, we'd seen hundreds of kids uh, up until that point. And, but there was something kind of markedly different about her, almost... I felt this karmic or familial connection, you know, something I could recognize in her somehow. I can't quite explain it, but it was just, you know, when you, 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 you have, you kind of see something familiar yes. or recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. This kind of instant connection. I mean, some people mm -hmm. refer to it that the souls, both of your souls may have met in another life. If you believe in multiple mm -hmm. lives, of course. And this is why all mm -hmm. of a sudden you feel really kind of, Hey, I know the person, even though I don't know the person. Exactly, exactly. It was kind of like that and, and very, very strong. And so, um, so there, was a, there was a moment where they, we found the teacher. He was kind of looming in the back and, and he was not really, he shared with us, he felt like he had been banished to the end of the earth um, because he comes from a totally different part of Nepal. He was two weeks away from his family and, and his village and, and so forth. And, and, um, and, but something happened. The kids caught sight of this guitar that was slung over our musician's shoulder. And they had never seen a guitar before, <laughs> you know, they hadn't let alone heard one, right? And there's no instruments up there in this, in this, yeah. in this valley. Um, so they were asking, you know, can he teach us a little bit of music? And, um, and of course, Michael, he's an entertainer. He goes up there, starts teaching them this jazzed up rendition of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And, and the kids, I mean, you know, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star is not a complicated piece, but, <laughs> but the yeah. way that he was playing it, he, he kind of put this sort Came of a symphony. Jazzed... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it was like this jazzed up rendition where there's these melodic twists and he was like, I'm like, Michael, I, you know, <laughs> he's like, oh, kids. <laughs> why didn't we hear that before? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but the kids, you know, they, they caught on, uh, right away and they were singing back perfectly, you know, to him and, and the teacher, you know, he got a little bit motivated at that point and brought out this drum and, and started playing this drum and he wanted the kids to dance, um, in front of us, uh, one at a time. And, and he started with this little girl, the girl who was so confidently teaching these numbers, um, and, and he, he kind of said to her, like, dance, you know, now, dance now, right? Um, and you could see her, she was just petrified, um, frightened, um, you know, like almost like internally crying, right? And, uh, and Chantal, you know, Chantal couldn't take it. So she marched up there. Um, 
next to this little girl and started doing her best impression of this Nepali dance. Not that Chantal knows how to do a traditional Nepali dance, but uh, she was there waving her arms and she was kind of like Karma, like, or she, we didn't know her name was Karma at the time, but she said, you know, teach, teach me. Um, and, and meanwhile, the little girl um, is, uh, is trying to copy Chantal's improvised moves. And so it was just so beautiful, like that whole scene with them, like almost two little spirits kind of dancing in front of these 7,000 meter peaks in this little stone school, you know, it was mind blowing. And I almost felt like time just stopped for a yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where that, that unique spark, um, I guess, opened up. Um, and then there's it was, more, that, more that happened, but, uh, but that, that was kind of the, the moment where, okay, something just came together here. Yes. Um, yes. Something just changed, yeah. And, and interestingly, that kind of something that was the spark was continued when you met Karma, the little girl, mm. uh, the next time, and she kind of flew into your arms as if she's done that for hundreds of years before. And she yeah. felt comfortable. She felt like, okay, these are, these are people I can instantly trust. Yeah, yeah, that, that was was the continuation of that spark. I mean, at least is how I interpreted when reading your lines. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And that was the that was the interesting thing about it because she was very apprehensive around other men, especially and other people. She's not like she was, you know, running up to everyone. Um, but yeah, later that day, because Chantal had kind of rescued her in a way from the dance. Um, she came running. She, they found out, her and her friends, they found where we were staying. She came running in and just flung herself into Chantal's arms. Chantal said it was the biggest heart-to-heart -heart hug she'd ever received from a child. And then this little girl, Karma, she, she turns to me um, and she leaps into my, into my arms. Um, it was like force nearly knocked me right back onto the ground. And not because of her physical force, but just the love that just hit me right in the, right in the heart. And, and I'll never forget like her little hands, you know, just grabbing the back of my neck and, um, and I felt her heartbeat. Right. And I just thought, I thought this is the reason, you know, why I'm here. Um, this is the reason why I'm not climbing the mountain. Yeah. That, that is exactly the point I wanted you to get to is there you had to give up your dream you couldn't get onto the Pyramid Mountain, which was a real bummer. It crushed you. But you kind of went like, okay, let's go back. Let's go via NAR. And all of a sudden, you have this experience where you said, all right, life was what I planned to do, but now life is what is happening right now. And it seems to be so much better. Yeah, and that, that's exactly it. And, but it's hard to come to that knowing when you're in the middle of the tornado, right? Yeah. Because the mountain <laughs> no. had become such part of my identity. You know, I had wanted to climb in the Himalayas, as I mentioned, since I was like 15. And, and, uh, and so it, become, it had become such a part of me that when that identity, when that dream was shaken, you know, when, when it was crushed so close, right? Um, part of my identity was crushed. And, and so it's kind of like, um, you know, how often do we find ourselves in that kind of a situation where something we feel so strongly about that this has got to be part of my life now gets questioned. Um, and that, that, yeah, 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 exactly. And then, and then we have to figure out, well, what does that mean now? Who am I now? Like, what, where am I going now? You know, you're kind of lost in a way, you know, to some degree. And, and that's what was happening in the middle of the Himalaya. And, but then there was this opening of doorways, like the invisible doorways. Uh, like, you know, have you ever had it where um, it feels like 
things are just kind of nudging you or guiding you in a certain direction, right? So yes, maybe what you felt like you should be doing is getting, you know, kind of unraveled, but there's this other sort of direction that's kind of being opened for you. And so that's kind of what it felt like. So I I didn't know, I mean, it was mentally exhausting to go through that, but, um, and I didn't know where it was leading at that time, but, um, but I thought, you know, all I can do right now, it goes back to your question about what I've learned in the mountains. All I can do is to trust in this opening of, you know, doorways, so to speak, um, and be choose to be guided in that direction, even though I don't know where that direction is going, but it seems to be wanting to go that way. Yeah. And the epiphany of the moment was also that karma's name was karma. Right. Maybe that helped you understand a little bit why, why things well, happened as well. well. Chantal and I just looked at each other like, because we, we knew a little bit of Nepali and we said, oh, what's your name? And she said, oh, my name is Karma. And, and we just looked at each other like, really? Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like, hey, moment. All right. I mean, let's fast forward a little bit because um, without getting too much into the details of, you know, getting those children out of Nepal and having them join you for a year in Canada. So that is basically what's happening. Let's fast forward to when Chantal and you have decided we are going to give Karma and her little sister, you know, the opportunity to join us, get some education. Um, They're going to join us in Canada. Let's start there because I think it is the fundamental seismic shift that happened between perhaps you and Chantal as parents, uh, coming from a totally different world, becoming parents mm. through those two ch- children, and those two children coming from a world into, into another world, literally. Most of course, yeah. it can't be. Tell us a little bit about that, that impact it had on you personally, you as a couple, and then m- migrate to the children. Yeah, yeah. I, just, I, I, I do want to mention one thing before I get there is... Um, Prior to them having, so that was in 2018 when they came to Canada for the cultural exchange. But prior to that, we had years of building together. Um, we actually got them into the school in, in Kathmandu to foster, you know, the Buddhist tradition and, and, and um, you know, kind of their cultural roots. That was very important. But when we, um, when we decided to do that, it was actually a joint decision with the parents. We took them back to the village in 2018. And, um, and the parents, you know, they said, well, can we have this, is it possible for them to have this experience, um, you know, to help again, expand their mind, their worldview, their dreams, help them dream bigger. Um, you know, just think about the girls at that time in their village, uh, girls were getting as married as young as 14, 15 years old. Right. So uh, anyways, it just kind of helped them shape their, their worldview. Um, so we thought, okay, well, we'll try and make this happen. I knew it was going to take a small miracle. It ended up taking a small miracle to get them the student visas to come here for an exchange. Um, But we were able to make it happen. All of us were able to make it happen together. And um, and yeah, so um, Chantal and I, we became uh, essentially parents um, (laughs) overnight. And, you know, at that point, Karma was um, 14 and and Pemba was 10. Uh, We met them when they were seven and three. Um, but it was like, um, it was a, it was one of the most beautiful experiences of my life because you could see just how their minds were expanding and, uh, and, and our minds were expanding by, you know, through their, uh, you know, minds. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's so many, 
so many learnings, but um, I just, I think it brought Chantal and I closer together. It kind of opened my mind in terms of what it means to, to be a parent. Um, like you said earlier on, you know, the, how that changes everything. Um, it opened my eyes to, to how they, you know, with their worldview, see this world over here, right? Um, because oftentimes, you know, if we're too often in our own setting with the people, you know, yep. also from that own setting, we get kind of these blinders on. We start to think that that's the reality of of the way everything is, but but no, it's not. And and you know, seeing them observe our world uh, was was just fascinating. Yes, um, and, and let me just interject there, right? Hmm. Because I think that is really the essence of of the interesting, you know, impressions. What. Hmm what were they most struck by? What did they say or what did you observe they might not have said that really mm. kind of took them aback from what they were used to culturally as children or teenagers and what they experienced uh, within their age group in Canada? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> it's kind of funny because some of the things that I thought that they would be, you know, mind uh, <laughs> surprised shocked about. by just shocked by shocked, like, shocked by, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of the, those things that they weren't actually and <laughs> um you like? know, so it was more in the detail it was more in the um like the 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 way we connect with each other for example um over here as you, you know so karma for example was was shocked by sometimes the way kids would treat elders or or their teacher um you know not having that level of respect i mean You know, she was like, or, or even, you know, how they connected with each other um, on the playground. They weren't used to the segregation. You know, why do we only hang out with kids in our own grade, for example? You know, oh, these kids can't hang out with their, those kids. They're in the lower grade. You know, things like that. Um, you know, just the, the uh, like the, the surface level things, um, material um Uh, yeah, I mean, I started noticing like the differences between their culture and our, like how kids are being raised there versus here. I mean, here, for example, we tend to celebrate more the individual, right? So we, we kind of put the individual up on the pedestal on the front of the magazine, whatever. Um, whereas there it's, they celebrate the community, collective, um, yeah. the collective. Yeah. And, you know, here it's about maybe more so what we can get. Um, there's about share, how do we share more? How do we give more? Right. So those would come through the experiences and, and, um, and, and, and they, but not only were they having, not only were they impacted, they also impacted their classmates um, in a very I unique bet. way. Um, so for example, um, I remember the karma, she often would teach, she would want to go and, and, and be with the kindergarten kids because she loved the teaching and all that. And, and the kindergarten teacher said to me once, um, just by karma being in the classroom, it just brings this whole calmness. You spoke about energy, right? Like the whole calm, the energy of the children just comes way down. Like everyone's just, you know, more, I don't know, more present or mindful, whatever it is. But yeah, just her energy had, was having that effect. Um, You know, Pemba, I mean, the way that she was navigating the dynamics of her class, she, Pemba's, you know, she probably understood 30% of English when she got here, but mm -hmm. then she rose to become the top of her class. She was getting like 100% on, not that it's all about marks, but, you know, just the fact that she was able to do that and at the same time navigate the dynamics, the social dynamics of her classmates, uh, you know, how girls are at that age, um, 
I mean, I don't know Terrible. who girls are at that age. But <laughs> 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 you know how girls are at that age, right? <laughs> I've heard how girls can be in that age. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> but how she could like navigate all that and, and, and sort of make sure everyone was, was included, felt included and all. I just thought, wow, I mean, that, that's extremely high emotional intelligence. Um, so not only IQ, but EQ as well. She was brilliant. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so things like that. And then at the household um, level, they, they didn't, you know, it's not like here where, you know, there's specific chores. Okay, everyone has to do this and that. They're used to being part of the household, right? So it's, they didn't know how to use like the electric washer and dryer and induction stovetop and things like that initially. But as soon as they learned, um, they became, part, you know, they were keeping their own things clean. They they um, they were helping in the garden. They were helping with the, the cooking. Like they, they you know, they, um, I remember one day uh, I was cooking, I was making dinner and Pemba came up and I said, Pemba, you know, Pemba, you don't have to, you don't have to cook with me here. You can go play or do art or whatever you want to do. And she said to me, you know, Mike, why don't you want me to cook with you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. And I just thought, you know what, <laughs> actually get in, let's, let's do this together. But, you know, being part of the process rather than, you know, how sometimes in families here, we just all kind of rush to the table. We all eat. And then we, for them, it's about, you know, being present together, um, even preparing the meal together as part of that. Exactly. So things yeah, like that. It's more about the community and yes. everybody being part of the community. And it's more about, you know, how can I add to the community rather than how can the community or whoever is there add to me? So this is, I mm, think, definitely yeah. very a very big difference between what I could read between Karma Pemba and our average, uh, let's say, um, teenager that we raise in our Western world. And what I also thought was a couple of things I, I really thought was noteworthy. The difference between Karma and Pemba, and Pemba mm. being, uh, telling herself that she was a mature or old soul as a very mm. young person, academically astute, as you were saying, and also mm. having big dreams, knowing exactly where she wants to go. Very different mm -hmm. to her sister. And being the younger one was even more flabbergasting. And also, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, no, absolutely. And also the attitude uh, towards education. You know, mm. education, I don't know about you and me, it was like, oh my God, we got to go to school. And for them, it's privilege. It's opportunity. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, opening the horizon. It actually means yeah. life, you know, yeah. The, yeah. the runway of life. Uh, absolutely. I mean, they, there's a few stories that, that relate. There's a lot what you just said. Um, and there's a couple of key stories I think I can relate to that. Um, one is that something I learned from their, you know, their village, uh, from the parents, is that they have this saying up there in the mountains where, they would rather their kids have a pencil in the hand versus a strap around the forehead. And um, because if they don't have the education, their lives get subjected to this hard labor. By the time they're five, six, seven years old, they, um, they're subjected to hard labor in the fields, in the, you know, survival again, right? So their parents, you know, want them to have more choice in life. That was the intention that Chantal and I had when we were there talking with their parents back in, in 2012 was, you know, how do we all work together to just give them more choice, right, in life. And um, and so I remember um, if I fast forward to um, to now, because what's happened is they had the exchange here. They went back to the school in Kathmandu, but then COVID hit. Um, and COVID now has, because of that, all the schools in the Kathmandu Valley had have had to close. Mm -hmm. And so all the kids have had gone back to their villages. 
Um, but in the meantime, there's internet access in a lower area, so I can communicate with Carmen Pemba. Um, and and I remember Pemba's teacher, they're doing remote learning, and Pemba's teacher sent me this one assignment, um, which was called What I Learned During Lockdown. Yeah. Um, and, and he was so impressed by it. He, he thought, he's like, Mike, you got to check this out. And so... Um, so Pemba's assignment, what I learned during lockdown, she said, what I learned during lockdown was um, how much my parents love me. And she said, I learned that how much my parents love me because I left the village when I was young. Um, so everybody thinks I'm from the mountains, but I didn't know how hard it was to survive in the mountains. So what I learned during lockdown was, you know, how to take care of the animals, how to take care of my siblings, how to cook, how to survive in the mountains. And I learned that my parents don't want me to have the same life like them, which is why they sent me for this education. Um, and it goes to your point. Um, I think because they've had that, and, and, and Pemba was, you know, how old was she at that? Uh, she was like 11 years old, you know, making that, rec yeah. or uh, coming to that level of awareness. So I think to your point, like, because they've had these very contrasting experiences, they can identify very quickly the, you know, the, the value of learning, um, you know, the value of education. I remember the first day we went to Karma's school, um, when Karma, she was uh, eight years old, we brought her to the first day of class at, in, in Kathmandu at the school there. And um, I remember Chantal and I we were standing in the threshold of the doorway and they, they plopped down a, a stack of books on her desk. And right away, she just she, she yeah. was like leafing through the books as fast, like, almost like trying to absorb all the information she could as fast yeah. as possible. Yeah. Because up to that point, you know, they didn't have books in the village. They didn't have radio, communication, internet, nothing, right? You know, they had scriptures in the monastery. But, you know, so this was, it was almost like the books were opening her world, right? It, absolutely. And it changed definitely. And you and Chantal changed the life of both of them. And actually also the greater family, the parents, because what they always wanted for their children is to at least have a choice, not yeah, necessarily yeah. be constrained to, you know, do what generations before had to do. So in order to wrap up our conversation and leave also something to the curiosity so people <laughs> yeah, actually buy exactly. your book and read it, right? And like me go through it with, with the pencils and highlighters and whatever, is, um, you know, what were your, I don't want to call them learnings, but inner mm. shifts, you would say, if you can even just mention a couple that this experience from going out to realize your dream, to climb the pyramid mountain, ending up a parent, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what was the major shift within you, which will never change? Um, well, I think it's, it's a couple of things. So one is that it, um, it goes back to our earlier point about deepening that awareness, right? It wasn't like it was like, oh, there's a new aha. It was more so about deepening the no the knowing of certain things. So one being um, the level of acceptance and awareness. Um, so the level of acceptance of um, not only what happens in life in terms of what relates to ourselves, but um, but just who others are, right? You know, having um, Carmen Pemba here, you know, it kind of opened my eyes that like to have expectations of somebody isn't necessarily, I mean, there's times when we need to, but like, it's not necessarily a healthy thing. Nope. And, um, and, and, and to, to just let them be who they are and support them in that journey. That's the most important thing we can do. Um, so that was one major thing, just opening about just recognizing that 
Um, and all, you know, it applies to ourselves, right. You know, being gentle on ourselves, you know, not having those kind of expectations for ourselves as well, but just kind of, yeah, coming into that awareness of who we are and, and, and allowing us to be who we are. Um, that's important. And, um, yeah. And then the other thing was just this deeper knowing of this connectedness that we all are sharing together here and how important that is how one little event karma was up there teaching the numbers um, and how just the connection to coming together, having the courage, right? All of our hearts, we just opened. We had the courage to listen to that language of the heart, how that could change everything. Beautiful, beautiful. And I think you hit the nail totally on the head because one of the, the quotes by the author Stephen Pressfield, I would actually like to use as my end quote for our wonderful conversation, Michael. He wrote, our job in this lifetime is not to shape ourselves into some ideal we imagine we ought to be, but to find out who we already are and then become it. Mm, yeah. And that is so spot on. <laughs> it yeah. is so spot on. And uh, with that, I want to thank you, Michael, for, you know, being so courageous, going out there, trooping around these mountains, almost killing yourself and your <laughs> wife and whoever you drag along with your enthusiasm. I mean, do you have a conscience? But, uh, <laughs> at the same time, then, you know, you're a beautiful writer, you're a beautiful writer, um, and uh, you're also a successful entrepreneur. I mean, we can talk about that in another, in another conversation on Mentory TV. So thank you so much for sharing your story in the book, for sharing the insights about the story here on Mentory TV, Mike. Thank you, Patricia. Yeah, I really appreciate being here. And uh, thank you for all the great work you're doing as well. And for the birthday wishes. <laughs> yes, happy birthday again. <laughs> great stuff. And thank you, my dear Mentory TV community, for having joined us yet again for a fantastic insightful, um, really different conversation here on Mentory TV, this time with Michael Schau. See you soon and... Stay curious. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.